Grace and peace, and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here, and I want to start today by saying Merry Christmas. That's right. We're in Christmas tide. This wonderful, wonderful season between Christmas Day and Epiphany. It's these two Sundays we have in a row where we get to continue to celebrate Christmas. Christmas isn't a one-day affair. It goes on for 12 days. Remember? 12 days of Christmas. All that good stuff. So I'm delighted that you have decided to join us for worship this Sunday. It's the first Sunday of Christmas. We're going to be looking at Jesus's family in worship today, a wonderful opportunity for us to, to think about what kind of family Jesus came from, since a lot of us have been spending time with our families whether in person or on Zoom, hopefully mostly on Zoom. Uh, there are a few things I want to share with you. Uh, the first being that there is an online bulletin for our service. You can find it. The, the link for it is in the video description. It will have our scripture, prayers, uh, hymn, that sort of pertinent information. We're continuing to uh, send out email devotionals, make Facebook Live videos, all sorts of ways to stay connected to each other and our faith. Uh, even during this wonderful Christmas tide season, you can find out a lot more about that on our church website or on our Facebook page. Uh, reach out to me. I'd be happy to connect you with other people from our church or other ways that you can be connected with the Lord at this time. I hope all of you had a blessed Christmas morn and are excited to continue to discover what this adventure with Christ the Lord and the Holy Spirit really looks like. So to kick things off, I want to just have a moment of silent prayer, uh, some time for us to center ourselves as we prepare our hearts and minds to hear and receive God's word for us today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. And now, Lord, each of us will lift up to you, silently or aloud, 
our own joys and concerns this, the first Sunday of Christmas. And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I noted at the beginning part of our service, we're going to be looking at Jesus's family tree today. So we're going to be looking at the genealogy, at least according to Matthew. So our scripture reading today comes from Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. Hear now God's holy word. Today's scripture will be Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Thus were the fourteen generations in all from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile of Babylon, and fourteen from the exile. Our hymn today is number 251 in the United Methodist Hymnal, Go Tell It on the Mountain. I'll be playing it over on the drums in just a moment, so join me over there. Sing with me. Uh, if you don't know the words, you can find them in our online bulletin. This is Go Tell It on the Mountain. Tell it on the mountain, over the hills 
An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Merry Christmas! Here we are on the other side of the manger. The presents have all been opened. The, the Zoom calls with family members have all happened. And, and we find ourselves back in worship waiting on a word from the Lord. I know there's just something about this season that tends to bring out the very best and also the very worst in families, whether or not we're in the midst of a pandemic. You know, in some homes, Christmas tide, this season after Christmas, before we get to Epiphany, it's this blessed opportunity to, to be together, to rejoice in the, the past, the present, and the future with the people we're connected to. In other homes, though, Christmas tide is when everyone sort of waits anxiously for the inevitability of all the old arguments bubbling right up to the surface. Now, I can remember one particular Christmas Eve when, after the service had ended, an extended family made their way up to the altar to take that you know, perfect holiday photo for Instagram, and there were two adult brothers with their respective nuclear families on the far right and the far left side of the picture. Those two brothers had not talked to each other in 10 years, but they never failed to make sure both of their families were in a Christmas picture together. I mean, families, they're complicated. And perhaps no family was or is more complicated than Jesus's. The gospel according to John, it begins with a connection to the cosmos. In the beginning was the word. The gospel according to Mark, it doesn't even have an introduction. It just hits the ground running with J the B out in the wilderness. The gospel according to Luke, it gives some authorial remarks regarding the necessity of transmitting the good news. But the gospel according to Matthew, it it gets down to earth. It puts the family of Jesus in the particular context in the history of Israel. And the closer you get down to earth, the earthier it all becomes. So for the next 10 minutes or so, my hope is to, to try to bring all of us through the genealogy of the baby born king we were just worshiping on Christmas Eve. And hopefully, all of us will see that my claim of Jesus' sordid family history is not in vain. So we begin with Abraham. We start with good old Abe because Abe, everything hangs on him and his faith. He is the one in whom and with whom God makes the covenant. In him, the promise of blessed generations begins. And finally, near the end of his days, when he was good and old, God made good on that promise and Abraham became the father of Isaac. And yet the faith of Abraham, a staple of both the Old and the New Testaments, means that while Isaac was still a boy, he nearly had his throat slit open by his so-called faithful father. Nevertheless, Isaac survived to father Jacob, a devious trickster of a kid who solidified his position in salvation history by lying and swindling his aging father. 
Incidentally, Jacob himself was duped as well. He wound up sleeping with the wrong bride by mistake and became the father of Judah. And because families are complicated, Judah accidentally slept with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, who pulled one over on him by dressing up as a harlot. More about those types of people in a second. When Judah discovered that his daughter-in-law got knocked up because she was a prostitute, being a lady of the night, he ordered her to be burned at the stake, and he only relented when, of course, he discovered that he himself had fathered the child in her, Perez. And that's just the first few generations the next list of people are folks that we know nothing about until we get to Boaz. And scripture tells us that Boaz was a good and honorable man and his conjugal connections with Ruth, they continue the family line. Notably, Ruth shows up at Boaz's house late one night prior to them being married and, as the Bible tells us, uncovers his feet, if you know what the Bible means. And this kind of behavior should not have been all that surprising to Boaz because his mother was Rahab a harlot who had the sweetest little house on the edge of Jericho, who hid the agents of Joshua, and who was brought uh, brought into the people of Israel after the city of Jericho was massacred. Anyway, Ruth and her beau, as, get it? They made life together in Bethlehem, the little town of bread. And part of their story, at least scripturally, often shows up as this preferred text in wedding services. You know the whole, where you go, I will go, your people will be my people bit. I wonder, I wonder how many couples standing at the altar know that those words are connected with a a story that is rather risque. But anyway, the family, the family. What seems to be important for Matthew and his recollection of the genealogy is that Ruth was a pagan foreigner, and she felt compelled to do whatever it took to carry on the family line. And what she did, it's part of the line that leads to David and the line that leads to Jesus. Ruth gave birth to Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. Now, if you couldn't tell, that that whole first section I just outlined for us, it focuses heavily on reproduction and the ways in which reproduction gets messy. But the next section, it all centers on violence. King Dave, after all the battles, all the victories, he chanced upon a naked bathing woman during some afternoon peeping. He used the power at his disposal to arrange her husband's murder. He raped her and became the father of Solomon. You know, the one with all the wisdom. The whole story of David is is full to the brim with intrigue and murder, a lot of murder. In many ways, David was simply a very successful bandit who, along with the Holy Spirit, brought together a bunch of tribes and started a real kingdom. However, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, he lost almost all of what David had gained through insatiable greed. He, according to the strange new world of the Bible, encouraged pagan cults and even sacred male prostitutes. Now, the next few names in the genealogical record aren't much to speak of, though at least, at least two of them had some idea about what it meant to follow the Lord that God had covenanted with these people. Nevertheless, from Jehoshaphat through Joram and Ahaziah, it's quite the sordid affair. I mean, should you find some extra time on your hands this holiday season, you can skim through the canon and learn about murdered sons, bloodthirsty kings, assassins. It's all the great stuff. Netflix should pick it up for a movie sometime. Now, perhaps the first Sunday after Christmas isn't the best opportunity to take a peek behind the curtain of God's holy word, but it's all there, all the way up to and through the exile. And because after being 
strangers in a strange land, after the Babylonian captivity, after wrestling between planting roots and getting plucked up, things only get marginally better for the holiest of families. But only because most of the names in this part of Matthew's genealogy aren't mentioned even in the Old Testament. But finally, finally, we make our way all the way down through the list until we get to Bethlehem and Joseph. Joseph, who Matthew describes as a just man, which I don't know how much that is saying in comparison to all of his ancestors. And who does Joseph bring to the family village? His pregnant virgin fiance, Mary, the mother of God. Now that right there is Jesus's family tree in all of its glory. So what should we make of it? Well, not to put too fine a point on things, but Jesus obviously did not belong to the nice, clean world of all the terrible Hallmark movies. He did not belong to the reasonable or the honest or the sincere world of decency that we all too often claim for ourselves today. Jesus came from a family of murderers, cheats, cowards, scoundrels, adulterers, and liars. Jesus belonged to a people like us. He came for people like us. No wonder God had to send his son into the world. Jesus is the only hope we've got. So we offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. God has proclaimed God's word to us, and we respond to what God has said with giving of our time, ourselves, our efforts, but also our tithes and our offerings. This is the last Sunday of the calendar year, so I encourage you to, to think and to pray and, and to give with glad and generous hearts for the glory of God through the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You may give online. The link for doing so is in the video description. You may send a check through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, you can bring your offering by. We have a drop slot by our main office doors. Uh, but as we come to the end of the secular year, I, I, I prayerfully ask you to consider uh, giving deeply to the ministries of Cokesbury Church that we might continue to be a source of light and hope and peace and joy for the world around us. Another way that we like to respond to what God has said is with the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. So please join me as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So with that, I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life, of death, of resurrection, the God of Christmas, help you to see, know, and believe that families are complicated things, but God chose to enter into our sordid family history to redeem us and to rectify us.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I look forward to gathering with you again next week, same time, same place, same place, same place, same place, to hear more about who we are and who we are and to feel God's grace in our lives. So go in peace, be well. Amen, amen, amen. Merry Christmas.